Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready for the Night Journal Welcome to the Night Journal Podcast, episode 48. My name is Kyle Gersteg, and I'm here with James Noka, and we are in an exotic locale. In fact, uh, I think it was episode 46, we recorded uh, Great Lakes Island Bug Out. You can actually see the spot where we were camping, um, but we're actually on Mackinac Island this time in the cupola on top of the Grand Hotel. Which is which is the absolute opposite of Glit. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, so no So we could call this Great Lakes Island Opulence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glow. Yeah, pretty much. Like <laughs> this is where you go if uh, we even have a live audience. Yeah we do actually. Uh, you'll so you'll hear some yakking in the background, but let me just describe this room here. So it's a round room if you don't know what a cupola is, if you've ever seen a barn, on the top of the barn a lot of times they'll have like a little extra little building. Well, that's what this is, only it's round and it's got all kinds of windows around it. Very cool. It's a, and it has a view of the Straits of Mackinac. Yep. The Mackinac Bridge and Bablo Island and Round Island Light. Yep. Everything is in here? Very good. Mm-hmm. And the harbor. And uh, the room is decorated. The carpet is uh, blue and... Uh, with has stars. like little yellow and white stars in there. Uh, the tablecloths are um, sequined blue, and the the ceiling is actually decorated to look like a circus tent of a like uh, light white and blue. And there's a big uh, chandelier in here. Uh, I'm having a nice little diet coke uh, because we just pigged out on a buffet that we'll talk about later. <laughs> that was um, absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so where should we start? Oh, I'm still digesting. Okay, so <laughs> I'll um, tell a, a quick story. Okay. So coming up here. You had a nice story? Yeah, I got on the... So I go to get on the plane in, uh, in Des Moines, and I've got this big, huge bag... The Max Expedition. Um, I can't remember what the name of this one is. Um, great big bag with Velcro on the outside. Right, and it's got like it's supposed to like carry a laptop or whatever. So I had this bag, but when you have the lid down, it folds in such a way that there's like you you don't know what's on top. Secret of the bag. passage. Right. There's secret spots in there. And so like I checked the bag, made sure there was no knives in there or anything or guns, and then uh, I. Go to get on the plane, and they like stop me at the uh, TSA point, and I'm like, oh crap, it mu- there must be one hidden in there. <laughs> and they so they had like every TSA agent in the place, and your th- everything feels like it's all coming up into your throat at that yeah. point in time. You're like, what the hell? Am I going to miss my flight? Right. So like all these TSA agents are like looking at the screen and stuff, and this lady goes, well, I have to search this bag. I'm like, well, go right ahead. And so they, they, she searched all the other pockets and stuff and made a show of it. But then she zeroed in on this top part. And even 
her it, even me directing her like no you need to look here because I think it, it could be here it could be somewhere else you know she was having no part of it she couldn't find it so oh, they really? had to run it they had to re run it through with the lid open before they could find it and wow. then finally we found it like tucked back in this one thing it was my uh, Victorinox Spartan with the camo handle nice and uh, unfortunately that was, that was from the Victorinox store in uh, yeah Mall of America Mall of America and uh, unfortunately, it had uh, one of those little corkscrew screwdrivers in there, which is five bucks by itself. Did you did did you take that out? They once they took it out of the bag, they wouldn't let me touch it, which no, is fine, you know. Listen, it's no, it's not fine. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. It's ridiculous. It doesn't keep anybody any safer. Well, at any rate, so I go and uh, lucky thing I had a knife in my checked luggage. Otherwise, I'd have had to stop and buy one. So I, my knife for this trip is the uh, Spider Po. What's that called? Dragonfly. And it's yeah. a it's a dragonfly hook bill, and it's an H1 steel. Yeah. I've always been kind of curious about that H1 steel and how well it'll hold up and stuff. So I'm going to try it. Back to your TSA problem. Next time you travel, get yourself a um, uh, a prepaid um, envelope. Of postage back to your house, mm-hmm. and uh, have the TSA agent stick it in the envelope and mail it back to your house, so you don't have to lose it. Yeah, I wonder if they'd actually do that. I would think they would, huh. unless you get somebody that's a real prick, which some of them are. It happens, but for yeah. the most part, I think they really try to help out. And usually, there'll be one person in the crowd that you'll see is trying to quell the the emotions of the other ones that want to hang you up by your short hairs. Yeah. Um, I got on a plane one time with a with an empty magazine, and you would have thought that I had a Uzi, and was <laughs> brandishing it all the way through the, the TSA line. It was a ridiculous. I had to get saved by a, by a police officer that was in the well that they called, uh-huh. and he was like, "They're ridiculous. They just wanna they just wanna make life miserable for everybody." Yeah. But. So what are you carrying today? I have a Spartan, right? That I used the toothpick after that wonderful meal. Yes. And then I've got a Three Sisters Forge. Yep. That was of the beast. And it was. um, Did you ever see this after they worked the edge over? Mm -mm, Not the edge. Mm. That was. um, Oh wow. They made it so it would cut. The guys at Park River made it so it would cut. It was. It was always the geometry. I always thought was kind of on the thick side. Yeah. um, This is sweet. And I didn't want them to change it too much. Mm-hmm. So they just worked on the, on the uh, from the grind line below and convex that to sharp, and nice. it sure seems to make a difference. Yep. Um, and thank you once again for this knife. It was a wonderful knife. Yeah. Um, got my flashlight. Nice. That I carry all the time. We always I always have a flashlight with me. Extra ammunition. I have a string of extra ammunition in my pocket. I have two of these that I carry all the time. Oh Lighter. yeah. Later and then, uh, oh, I see. So you you've got a stripper clip. Yep. That's uh thir- thirty-eight. That's thirty-eight. Yeah. Yep. So that's for your snubby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's my. It's typically when I'm kind of dressed up. That's what I carry. Yeah. It's not the it's not the gun you take to war, but it's the one that gets you out of a fight. Yeah, it'll. Uh, the the break contact gun. <laughs> well, it'll uh, it'll get you away anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I've found useful on this trip, uh, because whenever you use your cell phone for, like, navigation, 
it just kills the battery. And uh, I wanted a portable source of power. So I bought one of these Hyperjuice 2s. And it's model MBP200 or MBP2-100. And it, it just it puts out uh, 99.7 watts. Uh, and it'll supposedly charge your stuff over and over and over again. Well, from Jim's house to the ferry, it's probably, what, a 10-minute ride? Yeah. My cell phone was at 41% at Jim's house. I plugged it into this thing, and by the time we got to the ferry, it was fully charged. Now, <coughs> so that charges it faster than a normal charger does? Must be. I think it, I think it does because... Um, I've been told that eight for AC, like if you plug it into the wall, it's only powering during half of the cycle. Okay. So this, since it's a DC source, will charge it quicker. Now, I'm not an electronics guy. I don't know. What's this heavy? Yeah. So the only drawback is that um, the Hyperjuice is pretty heavy and it's fairly expensive. But, you know, you can, for, if you're going to go to the woods for a week and you wanted to have for sure cell phone power or iPad power or whatever for a week, this would do it. Okay, so how how um, how many charges do you have on this? Oh, it'll, I mean, it supposedly will charge an iPhone like 20 or 30 times. Really? From empty to full. This is pretty cool. Yeah. And people use them as uh, extra batteries for their MacBooks, which eat up a lot of power and stuff. Well, I tell you, I will say this about my, I have a MacBook Pro, and I, and it's the best battery system I've ever, that I've ever had on a, on a laptop. It'll go like 10 hours without, without charging it. Yep. I'm going to Instagram this one too. Okay. So the, uh, so I'm up here for Labor Day, just kind of enjoying northern Michigan, like it's the best kept secret. We don't tell anybody. Of, well, okay, so I'm not going to, I'll have to delete that, but I think it's a very well <laughs> kept um, vacation secret. Uh, it's everything you want. Oh, and look, there's all these seagulls flying by. Really kind of pretty. It's, it is. It's, it's, I'm so lucky to live here. Um, that looks like the birds, the seed from the birds. Yeah. <laughs> that is, um, I, I am lucky to, to live here. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm going to take a picture of that. Anyway, um, so just kind of enjoying Labor Day weekend up here. Uh, off to our... We're facing south, so looking off to my right would be facing west. We can see the Mackinac Bridge. Directly south of us is uh, the mainland. Uh, in Mackinac no, City. Northern Michigan, yeah. And then off to just slight, uh, I'd say that's south, southeast. southeast. Yeah. Uh, is Even maybe a little more east than south. Yeah, so it would be, and then, uh, but we've got uh, Boys Blank Island, and what's the one in front of it there? Uh, round Island. Okay. So, you know. And that's the Round Island light. Yeah, right there. which is, so there's a lighthouse that's for sale up here. Right? Yeah, right there. That's it. I'm halfway considering buying it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, I think the bid right now was like 20 k That's that's nothing for having your own lighthouse. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I would have to have a way to get to it, though. Well, you a little boat. You could kayak from, from here. From here, take, yeah. Take your boat, 
take your take the ferry to here take your boat oh actually you, well you can take the ferry to here because it's probably cheaper and take a take a kayak across with all your camping gear camp out at the lighthouse set out set up shop that'd be pretty sweet mm-hmm let's see knife news uh, oh Mike's got those new prangs oh yeah yeah Park so, River just uh, Bark River Parangs. Uh, I have not handled one. I've only handled a blank. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that knife um, not chopping well. Oh, of course it's gonna. It's it's quarter inch thick steel with the right geometry, continuous curve that I like on my parangs, and it's it's. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable chopper. I think they just delivered some, didn't they? Or if not, they were like right. O- Oh, excuse me. They were like real, real quick. They were going to deliver them, but they're they're pretty amazing. They, um, I mean, I'll bet you they'll take, I bet you they'll take three inch logs and or three inch limbs and just take them right off like they were nothing. Yeah, if swung the right way. Yeah. You snap your wrist at mm-hmm. the end, it'll go right through them. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What else? Uh, what are you rocking for a watch today? Oh, my marathon. Both Jim and I have on automatic watches today. And, uh, uh, in fact, it was kind of funny because I took my um, my uh, Olek and, Va- and Voss. Uh-huh. Olek and Voss. I just I just changed watches this morning. I was wearing an Olek and Voss this morning, which is a um, 1965 automatic, huh. made in 1965. It was a one you could buy at a PX in, yeah. in 1965. Pretty wild. But it's, it still keeps good time. It's a nice watch. Yeah. But I was just looking at mine today. I'm getting this one's getting kind of so and some getting beat up a little bit. And I thought maybe I'd send it back to Marathon to get touch up or whatever. Re, re, ha, refurbished. Yeah, they just need a new bezel on it. It looks mm-hmm. like the crystal's fine. Mm-hmm. They have yeah, sapphire crystals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's got like this edge is starting to get beat up a little bit. I wear this watch quite a bit. Yeah. And then I'm, I have on a, uh, from a County Com. Meritech. Yeah, they, they have their own watch line. Uh, and this one is the, uh, I think it's the pilot, was it the pilot's yeah, watch? Mid. The small one, or the mid, mid, with the red uh, little winding wheel on it. And I like this watch quite a bit. It does gain a lot of time over the course of a month, though. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to reset it. Like, what, five minutes? Yeah, like easily five minutes. Well, you know what's handy? It's better than losing, though, because you're not supposed to go back. Yeah. You can just pull the plug and let it catch up and then shove it back in. Yeah, this one, you, if you pull the plug, it doesn't uh, doesn't stop the second, though. Well, it doesn't, it's not, that's not a hacking movement? I don't think so, no. Yeah, it does not on oh, this one stop the second. That sucks. Well, it, it does all right. You just, what you do is you just, I watch the second hand, and when it gets back up to... 12, I put it back in, and I just time it. Um, it's it's usually within a few seconds, so hmm. it's not a big deal. The um, let's see, what's next? Oh, the imps. Those are selling like gangbusters. I did a. Uh, Jim's got one in his pocket apparently. I did a uh, a run of 20, and I I for some stupid reason I started with numbers. Uh, numbers uh, 10 through 20 
and uh, I sold numbers 19 and 20. Number 20 had a carbon fiber handle, and number uh, 19 had a pink and white G10 handle. So I sold. Wait, wait. so you only made 10? No, I have one to ten to make yet. But oh, oh, oh! Quite a, quite a few of those are sold. I, for some reason, I started with ten to twenty, and uh, but nineteen and twenty I sold as uh, his and hers. <laughs> and the, the guy is pretty crazy about it. He's taking pictures with his baby. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty funny. And um, so that's uh, that's good. I'm almost done with those. I think I'm going to do a hunting knife next. I was thinking just a simple. Another drop point drop hunter. Drop point hunter with jig bone handle. Well, really, nice. really, really, really simple. Yep. Get the co- get a coffee color handle would be nice. Yeah. You ever see those coffee coffee jig bone? They're like coffee colored. Yeah. They're pretty I wonder cool. how you get them though. Well, you get jig bone and yeah. you just drop it in a cup of coffee and let it set overnight and it turns coffee color. Huh. That's pretty clever. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Mm, let's see. Because the bone sucks up the color. Yeah. Um. I looked again at your Charlie Mays knife today, <laughs> looking for anything that I could find that was wrong on it. I did finally find one teeny tiny little flaw. No, they're there. You have to really look, oh, though, yeah. and you have to really know what you're looking for yep. to find it. Um, but but it that was, still is a nice knife. Yeah, I just love it. Well, and it's handmade. That, I don't care yeah. how good you are. You can if you if you know what you're looking for and you're picky, you can find something wrong with. Do you remember that fellow's name that we got those knives from PWIP? What his name was? I don't remember. We we announced it on the podcast though, so those were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have down. Oh, to talk about the. Um, so we're in the Grand Hotel and we saw. Uh, oh. <laughs> and so we ate lunch here, and I had I had no idea I was going to eat that much. Um, we're gonna have to find a we're gonna have to find some history on those for at least for these guys. That fellow that we were talking to is the historian. Really? Yeah. What he, the, he knows almost everything there is to know about this place. What did what did he he, say? he said they came here in 1950s in the 50s. Describe what they were. For well, it was a, it's a carving set. Uh-huh. Only it's like for the Jolly Green Giant. Yeah. They're huge. Mm-hmm. And they have whale bone for, uh, or they have whale tooth handles. Mm-hmm. And they're, uh, uh, it's basically a carving knife and a, and a fork. Mm-hmm. And they're probably, what, four, five, four and a half foot long? Yeah. I'll bet you. I'll bet you they're all a four foot long. Yeah. And it's got the <coughs> whale tooth handle on it. And I'll bet you they're sterling silver. Yeah, because they were tarnished. Yep, I bet yeah. you they're sterling silver. It was that was kind of neat. And then up in this area, there must be a maker. I'm going to see if Jim recognizes this. Lagoule. Oh, Lagoule. Yeah. Oh, that's French. Right. So yeah, it says France on there. But if you look, um, it's a full tang steak knife. But then they've got tack welded on top there, a, a place for your thumb to go. <laughs> My wife loves these guys. That's a B. This is Laul. This is a company from France. Yeah. That makes these, and they're um, they're kind of pricey. They do a lot of wine. Uh, Salmier. 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 Yeah, Salmier knives. And uh, that is a um, the B is their trademark, and they are. Um, 
They're pretty good knives. Where did you get that from? That was from... Yeah, well, so I ate at this place in uh, Traverse City called uh, Bistro Fufu, <laughs> and that's where... Yeah. So he's looking at my pictures of yeah. oysters, and I hate to say it, but I only ate one of those, and Gretchen only ate one. You didn't like them? Well, no. I liked them, but I swallowed it, and I was like, uh-oh. Because they tasted back up. off. Ooh. Right, and so I just ate the one, but we both... Um, had problems, had issues. Yeah, minor though, because it was only one. I, if we'd eaten a whole plate of them, it would have been difficult. If you were, if you'd have eaten a whole plate of them, you'd have been on the floor rolling around. Yeah, because they were having they, sex. It was there was. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the. the <laughs> so the the problem was they they had an off taste, and they were also they also had a fizzy taste. Ooh. Yeah, and that fizzy taste, I think, is the bacteria producing gas in yes. there. Yes. And so that's why, I don't know, like I, I felt a little burp quite a bit? No, I just felt a little under the weather the next day. Yeah, the, the what kind of oyster knife? They, oh, they already broke them open when they gave me. Yeah, them. and then they just gave you a little fork or whatever. Yeah. And then I ate, uh, <laughs> you're going to, I ate escargot. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic, and I'm, I'm not. The that's because of the butter. Yeah, just <laughs> garlic and butter, and then they served it with mushrooms. Dude, you can put bar- garlic and butter on a turd; it would taste good. Yeah, they <laughs> served it with like uh, mushrooms and, and oh yeah, uh, like a croissant and, mm-hmm. and lots of butter and garlic. It was pretty dang good. And I'm yeah, not this, the kind of person that's going to go out of my way for that. And then that night, uh, there's I so there's the escargot. Yes. Then that night I had uh, uh, the best uh, pork chop I have ever had. And that's saying something because I'm a pork chop guy. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, was it stuffed? No, just a regular bone-in uh, pork chop um, that he prepared absolutely perfectly with roasted vegetables and stuff. But anyway, did he did it? Did you eat it rare or medium? No, just perfectly done. Uh, he, he probably cooked it with to temperature. Um, he seared it first and then. Uh, Put it under lower heat and just brought it up to temperature slowly, mm-hmm. and uh, probably 160 is where I'd say it was done to, which is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. You do not have to go any higher than that. Um, well, they're saying, starting to say now. You go to some of these restaurants, you know, they'll say um, you can now have a pork chop like medium rare. Yeah, I don't and not, know that and not I be afraid that. of it. I, I don't. I don't know that I do that, but I like. Uh, I like it at 160 just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else do we have there oh he's the guy the chef there is uh, named uh, Guillermo or something like this mm-hmm. and he uh, grew up in the Caribbean islands Oh, so a lot of the cocktails have like Caribbean island uh, inspired mixes and uh, he's using like super duper high end hard to find ones <laughs> So I thought that was pretty. Did you happen to see the bottle? You probably didn't see the bottle of rum that I that I got at a yard sale. Uh-uh. I'll have to show it to you when I get home. I don't even remember the name of it. It's um, but it comes in a big. Uh, it was a big crock. Hang on a second. Let's see if I can find it. And uh, it was. It's pretty funny because it's just. It's a big glass. Hmm. I took a picture of it and I sent it to Dave because Dave is a rum guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
uh, Pusser's. Yeah, I haven't ever had that. Purser's, it's called Purser's Rum. Okay. See? Yeah, I see. British Navy's Purser's Rum. 95 proof. Yeah. And it comes in, a, and I, I bought it, and it was like... Uh, like five bucks. Wow. And it's, the cork is still sealed in there with wax. Nice. So I was pretty happy about that. So. Yep. And then, um, wow, I'm just rocked right now. I just, that meal just caught up to me just now. Yeah. Um, so here's something to jog your brain about. You're going to make a hunting knife, drop point hunter, jig bone handle. Uh, very simple. Uh, nice lines, maybe eighth inch steel. What steel do you use? A2. A2. I would not be afraid of using A2. If you wanted to use something a little more stain stain resistant, A2 is not bad though. Um, if you wanted to have something that does a nice patina, you could use do um, 3V. That mm-hmm. and that, that patina is up to like a grayish color, kind of cool looking. The hard, the only hard thing would be. Um, Finding someone to heat treat it. Yeah, as well, I you can, can keep it simple too, and you could you could make um, uh, make it one of the one of the old school steels, like O one or, and then and then when you um, when you uh, no no yeah well O one would work too, but if you did um, like fifty two one hundred or yeah one of those steels. You could hard you could you could harden it a little harder than you would normally, yeah. And then polish it bright, like yeah. You can bring it up to a uh, a real high polish mm-hmm. look, and it won't rust. Yeah. Well, on the on the knives that I've been doing, I bring them up to uh, a six thousand grit polish, and uh, they don't rust, but they patina. Mm-hmm. And so a couple people have written me like. Oh my God, my knife stained. Is that all right? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's a patina, and like yeah, well, it's, that's normal. So I, what I try to do before I sell anyone anything now is to let them know that that is going to happen. Yeah. And if they if they don't want a knife that does that, then they should go buy cold steel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's not going to happen. Um. Let's see. Also on the list, you wrote down fall knife and A one. Yeah, I had a um. My my boy always was liking that, and he asked me the other day if if I had his, and I'd given him an A1 a long time ago, an old A1 a long time ago, mm-hmm. and and I said no, I said you brought up uh, you brought up a um, a uh, blackjack that you broke the tip off of for me to go and to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. I said, but you didn't bring the A1 up, and. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you sure? And I said, he said, because I used it. He said, I always had it with me when I was in the field. And I started laughing, and I said, well, how did you break the tip of the of the um, blackjack? And he said, one of my soldiers. He said, one of my soldiers was uh, not passing his PT test, and he was overweight. Because you are a disgusting fat body, Private Pile. And he said, and so I had. He was like assigned to me. This guy was assigned to me special that he had to lose weight. Jesus H. Christ. Private Pile, why is your footlocker unlocked? Sir, I don't know, sir. Private Pile, if there is one thing in this world that I hate, it is an unlocked footlocker.
Walker. You know that, don't you? Sir, yes, sir. If it wasn't for dickheads like you, there wouldn't be any thievery in this world, would there? Sir, no, sir. Get down! Well, now, let's just see if there's anything missing. Holy Jesus. What is that? What the fuck is that? What is that private pile? Sir, jelly donut, sir. A jelly donut? Sir, yes, sir. How did it get here? Sir, I took it from the mess hall, sir. Is Chow allowed in the barracks, private pile? Sir, no, sir. Are you allowed to eat jelly donuts, private pile? Sir, no, sir. And why not, private pile? Sir, because I'm too heavy, sir. Because you are a disgusting fat body, private pile. Sir, yes, sir. Then why did you hide a jelly donut in your footlocker, private pile? Sir, because I was hungry, sir. Because you were hungry. And he was not doing his PT appropriately, and he was eating Twinkies and doing all this other crap. And Get up here, fat boy! Quickly, move it out! Move it out, pile! Move it out! You climb obstacles like old people fuck! You know that private pile? Get up here! You're too slow! Move it! Move it! Private pile, whatever you do, don't fall down! That would break my fucking heart! Quickly, up and over! Up and over! Well, what in the fuck are you waiting for, Private Pile? Get up and over! Move it! Move it! Move it! Are you quitting on me? Well, are you? Then quit, you slimy fucking walrus fucking piece of shit! Get the fuck off of my obstacle! Get the fuck down off of my obstacle! Now! Move it! I'm gonna rip your balls off! So you cannot contaminate the rest of the world. I will motivate you, Private Pile, if it short dicks every cannibal on the Congo. When they were over, when they, yeah, when they were in, when they were in Iraq, and he said he found he had found a um, uh, a laptop, and he and the guy the guy couldn't put the laptop down. He was always screwing around with the laptop, and Jimmy got pissed off at him, and he he it was sitting on the ground. And on a chunk of concrete, and he he, he slammed the, the window shut, and he drove the drove the blackjack in through through, through the the uh, the uh, laptop <laughs> until it hit the cement on the other side, wouldn't, and it took the tip off. Wouldn't you get in trouble for that? No, because <laughs> well, he was a sergeant, he was a patrol sergeant or a team sergeant, so yeah. Uh, so it was not a big. It was not a big deal, but it wasn't his laptop. It wasn't the kid's laptop, and the kid wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He said he ended up getting to lose about thirty pounds. Yeah, I would imagine. But it was it was a big beat up after that. But but he, but he was like, "You have my A one." I'm like, "No, you probably got it stowed in your gear still." So he was going to go looking at it, but it just reminded me of that other story, the 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 uh, shoving of you know through yeah. a laptop. That's funny. That can happen. You can do that. Well, um, you want to resume recording uh, maybe at the house or something? or We can do it anywhere you want. We could probably find some other someplace else here that would be cool. Okay. Maybe at the fort. Okay. Um, let's do a live commercial for Knives Ship Free. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Knives Ship Free. Derek, he's in his new place now, yeah. and he uh, he ships his knives free. That's right. It's like it's in the name. It's in the name. Yeah. You and get a just about anything you want there. Oh yeah. 
everything you and, want and, to buy in. And listen, Derek is a knife nut. And mm-hmm. He is. He does a nice job. Call him up on the phone. Those guys are all knife nuts that work there too. Yep. He doesn't hire you for, unless you're a knife nut. And uh, he carries Lon Humphrey stuff. He carries. Uh, I think he carries the Northwood PS. Northwood knives. Yep. Yep. He carries uh, Bark River. Like Bark Jackson, River. Blackjack. A bunch of different custom makers. Yep. Yeah. So if, he, if you're in looking for a a custom knife or whatever, check out some of his in Knives ship free. Yep, knivesshipfree.com. There's Tom. We're going to show you the proper way to clean, load, prime, and of course, fire the cannon before you. Now, this is a Model 1841 cannon, but it's really typical of cannons that were here in most of the early days of Fort Mackinac's existence, really even until the end of the fort's existence. It's still a smooth bore muzzle-loaded cannon. It's not very accurate, and it takes some time to load. So, well, 
I'm just going to go ahead and start cleaning this thing out, okay? <laughs> but it does have some of the limitations. It's not very accurate. We're not going to never stop shipping and passing through, but we use can very frequently for salute purposes. So not even leaving gunpowder, just firing for ceremony and celebration and things like that. We do got to clean out our cannon first. Tell us to make sure there's no debris inside of there. Extracting anything that might be in there for our last shot. Now the white swab, as redundant as it might seem right now, is a very important safety feature. Make sure to douse any flame that might still be in our barrel, which does because of the water in the sponge, but also by extracting all the air, forcing out all the air. That vacuum you heard collapsing there means that there's no oxygen in the barrel, so we're safe to load the gunpowder. <laughs> Pretty small charge, only about three ounces. We're going to use a ramrod to force it all the way down to the hole that I'm covering with my hand right now. I'm trying to prevent any water from getting inside there. And that's actually where we'll have to ignite it off from. See, Tom loaded that. We are now loaded. We're going to quickly roll our cannon forward. Tom's going to take a brass spike and put the hole into the wrapping around the gunpowder. He's going to use a little device called a friction timer. Basically a little small brass tube that's got gunpowder. It's basically a very weatherproof way of igniting a cannon by basically just pulling out the pin, which acts kind of like a match head, strikes through a chemical that flares up and ignites the pot inside the tube, which will send a jet of flame down into the barrel. You see Tom pretty much has it all hooked up, so come up here as everyone's going to be pretty loud. There's two commands and they are ready! Fire! Ah! Make sure can explodes. <laughs> so thank you all for coming up and one ahead. Okay, so we're back from the break. Uh, we're back at Jim's house sitting on his front porch. Nice uh, late summer evening here. Yeah, it's real thick. Air is yeah. thick right now, a lot of humidity, like 89%, which has been pretty high for us this year. Yep, we had a lot of rain on the island. Uh, we went up to... Uh, well, first off, we had a phenomenal meal. I want to end with that, though, because oh, okay. that could be a rant topic. <laughs> so we went up to the uh, Fort Mackinac up there at the top of the hill, and we saw a cannon blast, and I'll, I'll play that later. And then uh, we had... Uh, it was a pretty cool... That fort is pretty cool. The, the history yeah. is from the War of 1812 and before. Yeah. Actually, it was uh, it was a British fort, and we won it during the Revolutionary War mm -hmm. uh, from the Brits, um, which the Brits took the area from the French during the French and Indian War. Mm -hmm. So it's a, this area is just full of history, just a ton of history. Well, and the cool thing about looking at that fort is... Um, I, every time I would look somewhere, I could see why they put the building where they did, mm -hmm. except for the back wall. Yeah, the back wall it's was like, indefensible. What were you guys thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When the when the um, when the Brits moved over there, it was kind of funny because the Brits moved over there because the natives on the mainland on the Lower Peninsula, where the fort is right by the bridge, yeah, uh, the natives killed all the Brits. After after the French and Indian War, the natives were not happy about the British. They hated the British. You got a hummingbird. Yeah, and um, and so they uh, um, they waited for a while, and then they they killed everybody in the in the fort, and they left a couple guys live, and but they left the French alone that were still living there. Well, the trappers and that kind of stuff. Well, the Brits were so mad about the whole thing that rather than just seek revenge, they just 
burned the fort down and mm-hmm. left it and abandoned it. They moved the church and all the r- church records to Mackinac Island. So, so that's actually the oldest, the, the oldest documents in the American history is is on that island. The oldest, the oldest church records are on that island. The o- mm-hmm. oldest American church records, I guess. And they they date from like sixteen sixteen seventies or something like that. But yeah. um, but when they they built that, they owned the area. They didn't think that they would. They owned the island. They didn't even think they would need to defend the backside of it. And when the um, I don't think the the Americans never fought there during the Revolutionary War. But when the Americans had it, uh, the British took it back. I mean, because they, they knew the shortcomings of it. They knew the yeah, Americans. They, that's they, why they, they didn't, didn't have a good. That. They didn't have a big contingent of. Uh, of soldiers up there, anyways. I mean, it was yeah. a kind of a quiet, probably like a medical facility. Yeah, is what it, it sounds was, like to yep, me. Yep. And then the the Brits just took it back, and and it stayed in their hands until the end of the war, and we got it back at the end. But, so that was part of the treaty. Yep. Yep. But it's a great it's a great spot. If if and the and the kind of the cool spot was you could see the you could see the island where we camped from. Yeah. At Glib, but what did I call it? Glo, uh, Glo, great, great, great Lakes. Island bug out. Yeah, but the other one was the Great Lakes Island opulence. Yeah, glow. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you see, the thing is, is like I really, really, really love spending time in the woods, but I really, really, really love nice things too. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, that island's full of nice things. Yeah. There's a lot of. That was the the. Um, yeah, that was the beginning of the gold, the Gilded Age, was yep. all that. And and we'll get into that. Yeah. Not yet. Okay. Okay, so when we were in the fort, they had all these people dressed up in uh, period soldier wear, and uh, one guy was carrying a bayonet. Why don't you tell him about that bayonet? Yeah, he had, a, he had a bayonet on, and he was, um, the, I guess the bayonet was out of sorts for him because he was dressed as a, would have been like a uh, 1880s, 18. I think it was 1880s vintage clothing, yeah. campaign clothing, and he had a he had a, a bayonet that was off a of 3040 Craig, which mm-hmm. didn't come into play until 1893 or, or six yeah, or right something like that. I don't remember the exact date, but it was the first smokeless. I think it was the first smokeless um, uh, cartridge that that the military was using, uh-huh. and they adopted. It was a Craig Jorgensen. It was a great rifle. What about the Spencer? Was that smokeless or was that something else? No, I, th- I think that was black powder in those. Okay. And I think the 4570 Springfields were black powder. Yeah, don't ever shoot a 4570 no. if you can avoid it. Yeah, I think they were black powder. And um, those things are crazy. Yeah. You know, and the um, so the Craig Jorgensen, they made a carbine and they made a full size rifle, long barrel rifle. I have a long barrel rifle. I'd love to have a carbine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they that was what the uh, during the Spanish-American War, that was what our weapons were during that period of time. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of had that bayonet on, and it was kind of out of period. So I don't, I'm not sure why he was Probably doing that. they but didn't have a... Yeah. A, but he knew a fair amount was. about the Craig Jorgensen, which was kind of interesting, that he yeah he was kind of up on the history he a little bit of that. studied up on it. Yep. Yep. And then uh, the other guys were all carrying Springfields uh-huh. because they were they were appropriately dressed and appropriately... Armed was the Springfield bayonet and the Springfield rifle. Yeah, uh, Springfield forty-five seventy. Yep. That was a top lock or whatever. The um, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, 
I sold a set of uh, his and hers imps. If you want to see pictures of those, you can follow this guy on Instagram at scurvy092. Uh, so it's at S-C-U-R-V-Y-092. And he's got uh, pictures up of those. Um, what else did we see at the fort? They fired a cannon. I saw yeah. the... Uh, so medicine actually has a pretty significant history at that fort. Yes. And uh, one of the guys that was there was um, studying digestion because he had a, a soldier with a hole in his abdomen. And so he it didn't heal. Yeah, and it didn't heal, so, so he had a fistula so they could see inside the stomach, so they'd feed this guy stuff and then fish it out of there after certain amounts of time. <laughs> but, right, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Mengele-style stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, his name was, uh, the hell was his name? Can't remember. But at any oh, rate... Beaumont, they, William Beaumont. Yeah, so they had... Uh, all kinds of stuff like that there. Uh, they had some old school scalpels. One of them was full tang, yeah. which would be incredibly easy for me to copy. So I took a picture of that, and I might make a few of them someday. Actually, it'd be a handy knife. Well, it's very handy for me. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think they would be. I think people would. Uh, I think guys that were trout fishermen would like a knife like that. I think oh, that yeah. would be a handy trout oh, knife. Oh yeah, yeah. You could. Yeah, they they're they're real nice knives. Um. Let's see. Oh, knife detective. So uh, we got a, a knife detective question from our uh, friend Justin Wilson, and there is no episode 16. It only yeah. goes to 13. Yeah, so he needs to re get, get on his game a little better and figure out what episode it really was. Yeah, and then uh, so that one is unanswerable. And then you got another one. From yeah, and I, I need to go get my... Um, Okay, so I'm going to pause this and... I need uh, to go get my, um, my laptop. And yeah, because we that. should read that letter, too. <laughs> that letter's funny. Yeah, we have a good letter to read, and we have some hipster hate. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that is hipster hate. We will be right back! So, um, we, he, Jim got his laptop so I can read this email. Uh, it's not often that we read an entire email on the podcast, but this... It's got all the elements in it. Yeah, it's got everything <laughs> that we look for in an email. Um, there's hipster hate. There's He included, like, an awesome knife that we're now geeking out about. Like, uh, this is, like, the kind of email that, that like, you live for. Yep. Okay, so... His initials were ZM, and I'm just going to leave it at that. He says, hello, podcast gods. First off, <laughs> I see he just starts off. I know. Like, it's like, it's like uh, I'm going to help this guy do anything, anything he needs. Yeah. <laughs> First off, I want to thank you for your great content you guys put out. Some of the subjects you two get into are just great. I find myself talking out loud while listening, uh, trying to chime in with the conversation. People I work with think I'm crazy because I'm always talking out loud. 
it's nice to have a podcast from people who actually use gear they have and know what works and what doesn't. The opinions on the political stuff that come up lines right up with what I am thinking. It's not the easiest to run a podcast, so keep up the good work. So now he says, um, now this is where it starts getting really good. <laughs> he says, I hear you two talk about hipsters. In a few of the episodes, and I'm not going to lie, I've been called a hipster, but I'm with you guys. I grew up wearing Carhartt jackets and flannel shirts because they were warm. And it's what I had. And I like to use shit that works. I have axes that my grandpa gave me and that I still use that have very nice age to them. And I guarantee you if I cleaned it up, made it shiny, and painted it outrageous colors, you could sell them to hipsters for a pretty good bag of money (laughs) just so they can say... <laughs> this thing cut out. Damn it! Oh, oh man! Time you, out. you were just getting into it. I was just getting into it. Like we were having a dramatic reading. Oh, the scotch is starting to catch up to me. So hey, he every says, once uh, in a while, you got to kind of do this because yeah, okay. I'm not plugged in. He says, uh, "Outrageous color! You could sell them to hipsters for a pretty good bag of money, just so they can say." Look what I have. (laughs) I'm 26 and I'm still in college, so I see a lot of these hipsters. I think they're trying too hard. It's funny because if people call you a hipster, you're usually not one because that's just what you wear. And if if they don't, they all know you're trying too hard to be one. I do have some bad news, though. They have found out about Carhartt and they wear it all the time. It's Uh ridiculous because they wear shit that you're like, what the hell? It's like a hundred degrees out, and you have a Carhartt beanie on. Beanie on. Anyway, death to hipsters. I don't know what else I can say. Um, okay, so, kind of bad news about the Carhartt, so that sucks. Yeah, I know because now you know we're not going to be able to find it anymore. That's right, um, Mr. Noka. I feel like you should be driving a Mercedes-Benz G63 AMG 6x6. I think that car fits you in a way of badassness, if that's a word. I could see you running over stupid people on the road and just being like, well, they shouldn't have been driving anyway. Sucks for you. (laughs) Sucks to be you. I could just say that, too. Sucks to be you, dude. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it would be sick. Sorry, Mr. Versteg, I don't have a car I could see you in, but maybe James will let you ride with him. (laughs) (laughs) I got a kick out of that. I thought that was hilarious. Of course you could ride with me. I have been watching your YouTube videos from about the time you started, and I think I subscribed around the time of Mr. Hobo Project and have been enjoying them since. However, I do have something for you to check out, and that's what this email is really all about. I came across a very interesting knife the other day, and it says C attached photos, and I was wondering if you know anything about the company stamped on the blade. I can't seem to find anything on the knife. I was also wondering if you would ever consider making something like that. I would love to have a knife like it. Again, keep up the good work, and feel free to read this on the podcast, or just keep it to yourselves and have a good day. <laughs> like, I mean, he hits, like, all the elements. Okay, like, so that, that knife that he's got, I was I was okay. thinking that maybe he might have bought it, but I'd like to know where he ran across it. Yeah, okay, so... Because I would probably go try to scoop on that, because that's kind of a cool, interesting-looking piece. Okay, so I'm going to describe it for our um, listeners. 
um, because it is it is one of the most unusual looking knives. You know, I kind of I kind of see I kind of see elements of the tracker knife in that. A little. Um, let me just let me just say the whole thing for folks. Um, and Jim and I think it was forged. Um, so what it is is it's got it's got your typical handle on it. And uh, it's got, on the back of the handle, it's got an open bare metal spot, and then it's got scales. Like a lanyard Yeah, like a lanyard spot, spot and a, a spot that you can... Beer open up. Right. You know, open up a beer bottle with or something. Then it's got what looks to me to be a forged-in guard, although... It looks I, like an integral. I, I, integral forged-in guard, yeah. but it's not just the typical one that no. Lon and I do. It's all the way around the knife. And it's really nicely done. I, I mean, it could have been drop forged. Yeah, either that or it's a cast knife. Um, oh, that's yeah. the only other way I could think that you could do that because to forge that, you'd have to have some sort of a die or something right. to, to pound it that perfectly. Right. Then in front of this guard, it's got a choil, and this is actually on the blade itself, and then the blade is shaped like an ulu. So the blade makes a semicircle from the tip all the way back to where it should start at the handle. And a lot of belly. Yeah, well, There's it's a, an ulu. Yeah, it's basically a lot of a belly. big, huge semicircle. Yep. Then on the top of the knife, it's got a clip point, and it goes up to a flat area in the middle of the top of the blade where it's actually flattened out yep. as a batoning like, spot. Yep, or a hammer, any, just a, any kind of hammer spot almost. Right. And the, the name of the company is C&S Cutlery Incorporated. And, and I'm clueless. I'm totally stumped. Jim I'm going to have to really start digging through some books to figure this one out. Because I've never, I don't recall ever seeing this knife before. Yeah, it's it's brand new. Like, I have, and I could forge that. I might have, a, a, that guard would be very difficult. I would have to do that. Um, but it's cool looking. Yeah, the only... They they would you would have to almost have an auto hammer for yeah. that because what you're going to do is you're going to start with a with a bar of steel that's like a half inch thick, and then you're going to pound a tang out and then you're going to pound the guard in and then you're going to pound the blade out from that guard right and then you'll grind everything to kind of make it make it flat and stuff but but it's it's a it's cool looking it's yeah. a neat looking knife that that much work. I'm almost, and then looking at the f kind of fine grain structure of some of that, I'm almost wondering if that wasn't cast. Could have been. Which then makes me wonder, you know, how good of a knife it would be. But you could forge that. It, it would just be extremely difficult, um, at least for me. Um, I don't have an auto hammer, but if I had an auto hammer, it might be easier. Uh, but it's cool. But it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat looking knife. It, it is kind of reminiscent of a, like if you took a, like a, let's say the what, what year did the tracker knife really hit the market? Like in 1985, 90s, because early of the 90s, hunted. early yeah, 90s. Well, they they've been around for a long time, but the movie The Hunted is when they really took off. Okay, so this life knife to me looks like it was made in the 60s, or late 50s even. No, the the I disagree. The um the design feature of the choil and the design feature of the uh bare metal at the back of the knife is 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 definitely a early two thousands thing. Oh no 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 definitely. No no no. 
You don't think so? No. I think that knife was made in the 50s. I would bet. Remember, you got to always work off the premise that everything that you see today has been done. It was way the hell of ahead of its time then. Well, yeah, and that's because and that's, that's what knives kind of went to, only not with sure. that good of a well, part. even there's, but there's been some integrals that were done way back when. But if you think about a lot of those, but uh, this though, that's a that's totally a um, 2000s onward concept. I have a Charles Sauer knife that's got that same same thing on the back of the. When was it made though? In the 90s. Yeah. Okay. So like. But what I'm saying is that this was this is patent pending on the blade. So we so could, anybody I bet that you I know who could figure that out, Ooh, Anthony Anthony Scolumbrini. We're gonna yeah. have to give him a. I'm gonna have to give him a jingle and have him yeah, look at it. Have him look at that and see if he can figure that out. Because it because that was the intriguing part to me when it said patent pending. That means that somebody was trying to patent something on this knife. Pretty it'd much be, today, it'd be this and that. I, the, so the the forged in if the guard is truly forged, that would be patentable because I have never seen anyone do that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I've never seen anyone do is on the spine of the knife flatten it out. Well, no, guards have been. There's been knives that have integral guards for quite some time. Yeah, but they're ground. They. That's the other thing is maybe we're just overthinking this and it's not forged at all. Maybe, maybe it was milled from a big yeah, piece of chunk of steel. Yeah, milled from a big chunk. And and honestly, that'd be so much easier to do than to right. do this as an actual. Right. Well, and if you think about like a like one of the uh, uh, hollow handle. Chris Reeve knives was milled from a solid piece. Yeah, that's almost certainly what this had to have been because, to, I mean, I could forge that. the 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 thing on the spine would be a no brainer. the The problem would be that guard, and I could see, the forge thing on the, that guard. But you're you're gonna pay me through the nose. See, for the that. thing on the the thing on the top of the blade reminds me of something that's forged. Yeah, because it's the, because the integral out. looks mil- looks machined and the but, and the but, scales and stuff. But see, so here's here here would be my point is that thing on the top of the blade that's going to be the same width as the other stuff. Yeah, but if you look at the side, so if you have not. to mill it, if you have to mill it out anyway. But if you look at you the care? if you look at the top view, that's the last picture. It's the same width as the guard, actually a little narrower than right. the guard. But right. so it it you just need a half a half inch bar of steel to do that, and then the right program. Right. Well, yeah, but that's but if it you does had the look time, forged. If you, yeah, and that's the thing is, it looks to me looks forged. I that guard, we we'll have to have long. You know, and I wonder if too. maybe if maybe the guard is not uh, maybe the guard just slips over that. We're and How we're not though? seeing. You can't you can't slip over unless it's a. I wonder, did he show the bottom of the knife? No, I don't think there's a picture of the bottom of the knife. That's the only way we could tell is if it was slotted on the bottom. Because if it's slotted on the bottom, that's a no-brain. No, it's not. No, nope. that's solid all the way through. No, yep. that's that has to be milled. Mm-hmm. When it's interesting, this junction right here is flat too, and it's perfect. And there's no way you can do that. I mean, it, it'd be so difficult to do that with a hammer and well, a grinder. It's, well, it's possible. File. Guy can yeah. use a file yeah, and but sandpaper. The, and the fix amount it. of hand work on that is you're just going to be. This actually looks like it's got a crack right there. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does the. The lanyard hole is cracked. And I have to email him and see where the hell this knife is, because I'd really like to kind of feel this up. Yeah, we need to have that in hand. Because that, that is that is a uh, that is a neat knife. Yep. So anyway, that's now that is like okay, that, knife it, detective stuff. 
like times ten. Yeah, this is this is kind of like uh, this knife reminds me of something that would have um, would have generated the thought of making like the warthog, the Newt Lipsy warthog. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to pause this for a second. I'm going to run upstairs. I'm going to get a knife. Okay. And I'm going to show it to you, and you're going to go. Yeah, I can see That's how you were inspired light by that. a couple lanterns, eh? Yep. Okay. So, uh, Jim brought down a knife. Um, tell us about this knife. Okay, this was a knife that a friend of mine gave to me uh, probably 10 oh, 15 years ago. Maybe, yeah, oh, easy, an easy, maybe 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. <coughs> His name was Rainy Roy. And this was a knife maker from the East Coast that was a good friend. And he passed away maybe like six years ago, I'm thinking. And uh, he gave me this knife. We were at, uh, we were at a, a knife show in Ohio. And uh, he did pretty good at that show and sold a few knives. And I was feeling this knife up. And it's a, it's a Newt Livesey Warthog, okay? And if you look at a K-Bar Warthog, it's this knife. Okay. It's exactly this knife with a K-Bar handle on it. And um, I don't know if they ever if it was like a deal that he did they did with him or not, but hmm. um, that's what. And Newt Lipsy was the fellow that made the first rat knives. If you didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. Okay, but Newt was a good guy. Newt Newt is a good guy. Cool. And so, um. But the the point was is that you thought that this this knife when I looked at that knife the, the one, one in the in the email and I said if that were to inspire me to make a knife I could easily see how it could inspire you to make something like the warthog because of the aggressive thumb ram yep and exactly. then the clip after that yep. the, the, to me that knife that he sent us is Ulu somebody was looking at an Ulu and mm-hmm. said an Ulu is an awesome blade you can do all this stuff with it why don't we put a handle on it and put a way that you can baton it through yep. shit yep and that's what they came yep. up with and, and that's then, the same as this knife and then smaller that, version that uh, thing on the spine is also like an additional handle mm-hmm. so if you wanted to grab it there your hand would have something meaty to grab yep. onto yep. it so that that's my take we're we are going to look more into it we will uh, figure out where that comes from what the story is with that we we're, we're going to call lawyers Yep, we're gonna we're gonna we're figure gonna bring it out. in the national guard. We'll figure it out. Yeah, this is a knife detective special, and that was an awesome email. Because that because that is not a just Google that name and have it show up. Google and, that shit. Yeah. Google that shit. Yeah, that's not gonna work. It's it's way beyond. So anyway, that was an awesome email. Awesome episode of Knife Detective. Yep. Now. Uh, moving on uh, briefly, we have. So we're currently in like the. Um, we have the ambiance of kerosene lanterns on my porch right now. Yep. 
We're uh, it got dark while we were podcasting. I've got some deep dish pizza dough rising, about yep. to uh, make a deep dish pizza. So we got to make this quick. Folks. And and we've got uh, compliments of my buddy Dave. We've got some Jack Daniels or uh, I'm sorry, Johnny Walker double black. Right. It's like you know how it, it came from Africa. So yep. it's black black label. It's like. You can't just say Boutroscale, you have to say Boutros, 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 Boutroscale, because it's, they say the first part like 12 times. So it's it's double black. Right. And it is awesome. What is that you're sporting I, over there now? Well, I, 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 it's one of these uh, Angry Orchard uh, elderflower things. They're pretty tasty. Yeah, that's good. Um Hit me up I'm, there. Just yeah. a splash. Um, so anyway, the other thing that uh, came up when I was hanging out at Jim's house today uh, was uh, this uh, Israeli survival rifle. Why don't you tell us about that? Okay. This was a rifle that the Israelis used for a while. And it's and it's a... Um, they took a FNFAL pistol grip. Uh-huh. And they put it on a in, a in a retractable stock, yeah, wire stock, and they put it on a they call these AR7 Armalite, I think is what the the receiver is. The receiver is. It's okay. a 22 caliber gun. Right. Is it is it magazine fed or magazine is it? fed? Yep. Okay. It has a little magazine that sits on here and it's got a retractable and a pistol grip, uh-huh. and it's a super lightweight. I mean, it's. I mean, well, it doesn't weigh nothing. I mean, you could pack this. It, it's. It's not. It's not. It's lightweight for a rifle. Yes. It's very heavy for a pistol. Yes. Yeah. But it's a rifle. It's a rifle. I mean, yeah. this goes. This is a. This I'd re- say it's three and a half, four pounds. I mean, that's a, a full. I mean, it's a stock and. Yeah, you could easily do what you needed to get done. Oh, with this that. is a. This is a. This is it's a very got nice. Cheap sights. How's the accuracy on it? Fifty yards. Fifty yards, you could kill tops, a squirrel. Tops, tops. Yeah. So, oh yeah. With that's a squirrel. the side, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's no scope on it. Um, it is milled for a some kind of like a clamp a Tasco, type. Yeah, Tasco you could probably mounts. put something on it, and it would be a good candidate for a for a barrel mount, something or other. Like a scout it. scope. Yep. Well, I I think I would just use it with the open sights yep. because you're. I mean, that's really all you need. Yep. Um, what's the company? This is a, is Armlight. Armalite, okay. Yep, it's Armalite, and um, they got they were sold to Israel, and they were brought back into this country. They had a shorter barrel. Oh. Uh, they had a 16 uh, inch barrel, I think, and they were just they weren't legal overall length. Okay. And so they changed the barrels out on them and made them legal. Okay. Um, when they brought them back, but it's a great it's a great little rifle, and it's a kind of a neat conversation piece. That, and it's not so much the gun part because the gun is uh, um. You can buy the gun. Henry makes the rifle today. Yeah. Um, it's the one that comes apart and fits in the buttstock and floats. Yeah. That's the same rifle. But what makes this unique is the is the uh, pistol grip and yeah. the retractable stock. Yeah. That's what makes this so odd looking and different looking yeah. and handy. I mean, it's a you know it doesn't float like the other rifle does, but it's always together, real easy to move around. Yeah, you could strap that to the outside of your pack and, Real easy. and have no problem at yep, all. Yep, yep, Okay, um, my ultimate, I have to have to qualify this. It, it really depends on where I am. 
Um, but if if I'm living where I am now, or if I'm living in most of North America, I'm gonna have to go with a skunk gun, 22 caliber on top rifle with a 410 or a 20 gauge on bottom. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I don't yes, I do concur with that. Uh, I to be honest with you, I've always I, and I want one really bad. I want a, a Springfield. M6. Okay, explain what that is. That's the 410 or 20 gauge and 22. Yeah, the skunk gun. Yep. Yeah. But they fold in half. It okay. was the it was the it was the American Pilot survival rifle. Yeah. And they um, Springfield put those on the civilian market, but they put a trigger guard on it. Mm -hmm. Without the trigger guard, they fold in half. Mm -hmm. With the trigger guard, they only fold like three quarters of the way around. They don't fold all yeah. the way up in half. But regardless, they they make a great pack rifle. Because they're super lightweight. Uh, Chippa makes one now that is almost a direct copy of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know as I like that so much, but uh, I don't think the fit and finish is quite as nice. But um, the the Springfields are hard to find. Um, mm. I have a regular full-size stocked Savage yeah, 22 they 20 a, gauge. Yeah, they make a great skunk gun. Yep. Savage does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a. It's I wouldn't call it a survival rifle. No a survival yeah. gun. Because well, I, I mean the the Springfield is is folds. It's teeny. It's folds yeah. in half. It, well, and it's, it's got a wireframe it, stock and. It's at some point. Here's my thinking on it. Um, at some point, I would rather have a fully functional gun that weighs a little more. Like, I would actually prefer the Savage or a Remington version of thereof um, just because... Well, they have a big wooden stock. and Right, and this stuff. is that's fine. Um, but, you know, because if realistically, in my situation, I'm going to hunker down somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to cover 300 miles to get somewhere on foot. Right. Uh, and if I did, then to me, having the quality firearm would be... Right. What I would go for. Um, the survival gun for the Amazon 5000 was a uh, single so shot uh, 16 gauge shotgun. Right. Um, 16 so gauges are real popular in South America. Yep. Real, real popular. I, it's like the only place I've got a 16 uh, 16 gauge Winchester model 12. Yeah. That you can only shoot two and five eighths. I think they are. Uh, shotgun shells, inch, inch tall, sh and you can only get them from Mexico. They're the only that's hmm. the only place you can get those shells from. Everywhere else is you can't get them. But they but they have them. They're common down there. Yeah. Um, now people will say, "Well, 22 isn't enough power." You're a joke. Oh bullshit. Okay. Now let me let me tell you just two stories that I know of. Okay. So when I was a little kid, and by little kid I'm talking like five, uh, I was out at my grandpa's farm. And they had a roundup, and a bunch of cowboys came, and they were rounding up cattle and stuff. And there was one that they just could not get to go in the thing. And and there was nothing they could do. For some reason, they just could not get it to go where they wanted it. So my grandpa got his Marlin 22 with the tubular barrel. Mm -hmm. and, uh, tubular he said, magazine. Tubular magazine, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, and those held uh, 18 shots. Mm -hmm. Um, and he put a few 22 shells in there, and he killed a bull straight up, and it took two shots, I remember, because he shot it, 
and the thing is like and getting shot all woozy. No, shot it, shot it in the oh in the bread basket. Oh, nice. And uh, at least I think that's where he shot it because that I mean, but you know, kids are you can shoot a, what do you know? shoot one of those an eyeball and that would. Yeah, it dropped. Yeah, but uh, my grandpa was not much of a shot, and that rifle was not much of a rifle. Mm-hmm. So, um, shot it in the bread basket, and the thing was like, moo! And it got all wobbly, and it was like starting to fall over. And I remember specifically, he said, looks like he needs another one. And he shot it again. So, two shots with a 22 rifle killed dead as hell. A bull that mm-hmm. weighs, you know, 2,000 pounds oh, yeah. or whatever the hell those things so weigh. It's all so about shot placement. Right. I don't want to hear about it from you assholes yeah. because you're wrong. Yeah, it's all about shot placement, and it always cracked me up because it, I, I mean, I was just talking to a guy the other day that was taking his wife moose hunting, Yeah. and she was recoil sensitive, and he was tossing around getting a 270 or a 308. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he called up the... the um, the guide up in Canada and said, I'm thinking about a 270 or a 308 for my wife. Which one do you think? And he said, 308. That's fine. That'll be fine because she's recoil sensitive. She's a small lady, small woman. It should not be an issue. You kill a moose with a 30 6 no problem. Well, yeah, 308's less than 30 6 Wow. 7.62 is, I mean, it's a 7.62. And I'm not less, sure that. Pushing less powder? Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm yeah. not sure, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that. I mean, I've shot a thirty out six since I was freaking twelve, mm-hmm. ten. Um, I shot a I shot a mule deer in Wyoming when I was like fourteen or thirteen at three hundred yards with a thirty out six, and it'll drop them. And it like drops like a fly. Know what, they, they don't even know what hit them. And I still ha- still have the rifle. I I I had witnesses see me shoot a right sh- shoot a a deer at eight hundred yards. Mm-hmm. With that, with that same thirty out six, um, about twenty five years ago, and I held a little bit too high on him, mm-hmm. and he it broke his back. Yeah, but a high spinal it, was still a dead deer. Well, it killed him. I mean, yeah. it didn't kill him. He he was still alive when I got down there, but he couldn't move. He was yeah, totally you, you, paralyzed. And it's surprising that you didn't kill him. With right, that, because right. Usually that kills them. Just yeah, it hit, it hit just above, just behind even. the shoulder blades. Yeah. So right to left, it was almost a perfect shot. But I was a little bit, I held my elevation a little bit too high, and the bullet didn't drop as thought as much as I thought it was. Right. So, but it, and a 7.62, I believe, sports about the same ballistics as a thirty out six. And ballistic guys, please don't beat me up about this too much. I shoot a 7.62 now. 800 meters all day long. So I'm assuming that they're close, and I'm only basing it on that. I'm not. I'm not basing it on, you know, looking at a book and comparing numbers. But um, uh, I shoot 800 meters, and I had uh, um, man-sized target kill shots at 800 meters with it. Yeah. So. So. Um, anyway, so just a little bit of brief talk about survival rifles for you. I know people like that kind of stuff. Um, Closing out, uh, we probably won't rant much, but um, we <laughs> went to this grand hotel on Mackinac Island, and uh, it's fabulous. It's got, I mean, it's huge. All the elements. And uh, we, so we had brunch there, and, uh, you know, I was not expecting it to be like this big 12-course deal, but it was. <laughs> and so I, 
A, too much, but um, the real star of the show there was the uh, bread pudding. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like hands down, and I wish I would have just eaten a salad and then had bread pudding. Well, you know what's interesting about that place, and I, and I love I love the Grand Hotel. I love the period of time that it was built. It was built in the late 1800s. Um, it was during the Gilded Ages, and it was it was absolute unbridled capitalism. It's the only way you can describe that. It's where the government was was basically almost non-existent. More wealth was created during that period of time than any other time, I, I believe, in the in human in history. history. And, and it's still around. And it, well, and that's and that's they what I was getting at. So much they money. created so much wealth that 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 those families are still being supported by them now. The people that are are spending that money are usually retarded. Uh, that, and by mean, that he means that we had they some should bank be tarred line. And, they should be tarred and feathered twice. <laughs> yeah, we had some bank line. The tar wore off, so we sent it yeah. back to the company, and they retarred it. But no, I mean, it, the, but the reality is, there's a group, there's that group of people that are kind of tr- they're called trust fund kids, that they don't work, they don't produce anything anymore. But they're still living off the wealth that was produced during that period of time. <laughs> during the brief period of time when there was no income tax and little government yep, interference, yep. and it and built amazing shit. Yes, and that when, when you okay, the Grand Hotel. Anybody can look this up. It's a it's a phenomenal place. The place was built in ninety days, and it was to it was to accommodate the group of people that were cruising the Great Lakes on these big opulent cruise ships like titanic types yeah they were they were very fancy they were they were i mean this was the this was the gilded age this was gold covered chandeliers this was chippendale furniture this was uh i mean it's hard to even describe it's when they it's it's the time period when they like did things like build the Hoover Dam, build the Golden Gate Bridge, all the shit that we look at and we say there's no fucking way we could build right. that anymore. And, it, and, it, and we're sad because of it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not a better country because we can't do those things anymore. And the reason why we can't do those things anymore is because some fucking idiot wants to save a snail darter or a freaking field mouse, some kind of a funky field mouse or a stinky toad or or... Probably so those damn hippies and hipsters can lick the toad and get high. Well, and that could very well be what it is. But for, what, for whatever reason, they're, they're stifling us because of it. And, and when, you think about, when you think about this, when you think about the amount of wealth, and you know what? It wasn't like these fucking people were rich to start with. These they were started with, with nothing. nothing. They started nothing. with nothing. With zero point zero. And that's the whole point. And that was during the period of time when anybody could be anything they wanted. There was a point in time when you could say, son, when you grow up, you, won't, you can be president. And there was, no, well, there was no question about it. You could be president. Now, you can't. I'm sorry to say, you fucking can't. Because you've got to cheat on everything all the way through from your little... You've you got to create your resume from the day you're born... And you got to be like um, go through the Skull and Bones Club. You got to be in a certain certain group of people that you know. It's just kind of sad. Anyway, that's yeah, that's, that's a different the, that's a different that's rant. All but. the ranting you're getting. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We, we but don't seriously, do that look much at anymore. But look at the look at the the 
the uh, the Grand Hotel. Um, it is fabulous place. There's um, there is museum quality furniture throughout the whole that you can hotel. just walk you can up walk up and, and sit down, down on. Yeah. It's incredible. They have they have a 660 foot front porch. They have the longest yeah. front porch in the world. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible, and it was a great time. We really enjoyed it. And if you get a chance, make yourself a trip up there and experience that because it is it is pretty fabulous. Now the. Uh if you want to hear about the spread pudding, I'm going to describe it for you. So the guy, they brought out a, a typical baking tray like you would make uh, lasagna in. And what I'm assuming they did was took the leftover um, buns from the day prior. Which, which is, are really good. Right, but that's how, <laughs> this is how you do it. Yeah. You take your leftover bread and stuff and you, you crumble it up. Uh, not crumble, but you you chop it up, dice it up like you're going to make croutons, only you put it in the in the bottom of a baking dish. And then you make a custard, and to make a custard you need eggs, extra egg yolks, um, whole milk or cream, half and half, whatever, and then sugar, and you mix that up real well, and then they add like cinnamon, and I'm sure they probably added nutmeg because that would be the period correct thing, and they bake that, and then they put a sauce over it that's got uh, cream and a dash of rum, and uh, they thicken it up and have a little sugar in there, but... Anyway, that's the bread pudding, and really that was the best thing that they had. I wish I would have known that before pigging out on other food. It was, it was still good, but it was not of that caliber. No. Well, the thing that I liked about that um, was they had uh, they had lots of shrimp. They had oysters, that which which is pretty period correct. I mean, that yeah, was something yeah. that was uh, and pate, were, and all pate. the stuff from that time frame. Yep, yep. They had uh, duck breast. Yep. Which, ooh, people gonna... following up here um, know that during during that period of time, guys, they had they had game big game hunter or I don't remember what they, but they were professional hunters that would provide ducks and geese for um, with the big restaurants. Boats. With a, a, a Hunt literally, the, yeah, they'd have a gun that was so big it would have its own boat. Yep, yep <laughs> and it'd yep, shoot like exactly, a shotgun exactly. shell with like 400 BBs yep, in there. Yep, exactly. And they would kill like 100 ducks a at flock, a shot. A flock. Yep. Yeah, but they'd shoot them when they were when they were on the water. Yep. And yeah. then they would net them. You yeah. know, that was the other thing they did. They would lay out big nets and they would just close the net and pull them in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was pretty wild. But but they did that. Um, and they and they basically this is what they ate. I mean, this was, you know, and you think about survival, and you think about what it took to feed that that kind of people, that number of people, and it wasn't a big number of people, and they, and they did they killed a lot of ducks, they killed a lot of venison, they killed a lot of deer meat because a lot of a lot of restaurants during that period of time would serve a lot of venison, and I tell you what, it was they really knew how to cook, they knew how to get it done. Yep. Yep, and the pate was fabulous, too, by the way. Now, on the next podcast, here's what you can look forward to. Jim has some crazy game control goose <laughs> license. We're going to talk about ways that you can prepare goose. I have a couple ideas. Jim has a couple ideas because he's about to be filthy in geese. Yep, and uh, it's and it's kind of funny because everybody that I've spoken with has said, uh, don't do it, don't shoot them, or if you shoot them, just wound them and nail them to the floor. Yeah, <laughs> foie gras is what he's getting at. But I, what I'll do is I'll talk uh, 
We'll talk a little bit about what to do with your geese on the next podcast. More knife-related stuff. Yeah. People. Yeah. That's and more gun stuff too, probably. And more and more uh, political hackery. Minimal, because really, where do you start right now? It's so disgusting. It's 8-30-2014. If we got started, we would literally be here all night, and I don't want to do that. No, right now, right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Instagram a picture of my front porch with all the, with all the lights going on it, and, uh, you people can see what it's like in northern Michigan. He's gonna Instagram a picture of the pizza later. Yes, I will. Alright, where can they find us? Like us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of work on Facebook. Um, uh, go to Knife Journal at knifejournal or uh, knifejournal.com and join the forums there. We have a nice oh, discussion group here's there. A giveaway. And there's a giveaway going on oh, too. Here, so there's a there's a Queen Cutlery giveaway, and I'm announcing a new giveaway. Uh, I'm giving away number twelve of my imps, which is perfect in every way, except that when I went to stamp the blade. Uh, at that time, I was forging, so I would heat them up red hot and then stamp them hot. And I stamped it the first time, and the mark didn't look deep enough, so I put the thing back down, and so it you was a re- little bit off. So you re-stamped it? Yeah, it was re-stamped knife. Well, and it's the only one out of the run of the 20. It's number 12, which happens to be my favorite number, but it's double stamped, so I'm not going to sell it. I'm giving it away. You can enter that giveaway on the forums. So can we call that re-stamped instead of saying retard? Probably. Probably. Maybe we should use that use that term instead of uh, retard bank line. Right. We could say it's a re-stamped knife. Yeah, it's like when you stamp it. just so re-stamped. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you look at it and you stamp it and you're like, God damn it, I got that thing just a little bit off or you know, the top part of the stamp is not quite deeper, you know, you hit it at an angle or something, so you stamp it again. That is, so it's a restamp knife. Um but now I do it all with a hydraulic press. So you w- there will never be another error like that. So if you're excited about having a one of a kind thing, this is one of twenty and it is the only one that was double stamped in that line. So, and it's probably the last knife that I will ever make that's double One thing I'm going to do is I want to thank Dave, uh, my buddy Dave, for the uh, double black. Um, it's fabulous. And it, for, a, uh, a non, for a blended scotch, it's pretty damn good, which makes me happy. My wife actually likes it. It's very smoky, and uh, it's well worth the effort of drinking it. Right. And then, uh, you, so podcast at knifejournal.com. Send us your epic emails. Like yeah. that one we read today was like what we're looking for. Yep, That's exactly. like the cat's ass. Our man in the field writes us. And actually, there's another man in the field letter that I did not bring with me that you will get next time. And... Uh, that's it. What else do you have to say to the people at home? Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. And join us next time and enjoy the podcast. Night, night, folks. And you know what? Thanks for listening to us. We really appreciate it. You guys have no idea how this makes us feel. We love it. Yep, we love it. And thanks a lot. Appreciate it a lot. Yuppers. Night, night, folks. Night, night.